is Free Talk Live, and you can join us here. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. You can join us and bring up whatever's on your mind with you in the studio tonight. You've got Ian. That mad bastard nobody. And Aria. All right, so lots of stuff to talk about here tonight. Of course, again, you can take control of the airwaves. That is the point here on Free Talk Live, but we're actually going to go to the phones first, where our very own Mark Edge is on the line. Mark, you're on Free Talk Live. Hey, Mark. Long time no talk. Hey there, uh, Rich Paul. How are you? Ah, well... I I could be better, but I could be worse. <laughs> well, um, in parts, I'm calling to talk about something that, you know, may affect you in some small way. But um, in fact, what I just want to say generally is Americans are once again asleep at the wheel on a very important issue. Now, we're told through civics class, this is a government of the people, by the people, and for the people. <laughs> and if that's yeah, they so, lie, though. then what's that? They lie, though. Uh, I give them the lie in the throat. (laughs) It's not a lie if they can get you to believe it. No, it's still a lie. Even even if people believe it, it's still a lie. It's just a good lie. It would be a government of the people. Ultimately, everything that that goes on in the government, we do allow, whether or not we agree. Okay, I'll give you that. Well, I mean... Pretty much, I mostly tolerate it because I want to keep breathing, and they'll kill me if I don't. Um, You're talking in the singular, but so many people are that's willing the only to way I know how. the singular and go for the plural. And um, so we're taught in civics class that in the plural, it's we the people who control the government. And hmm. it is a true statement in so much as we get what we tolerate, and if a sufficient number of people didn't want something, and they didn't want it badly enough that it would, uh, wouldn't occur. We've got the, the monsters outnumbered 200 to 1, so if we were willing to take heavy casualties, we could bodily tear them limb from limb, but that's the only way to get rid of them. All right. Perhaps that's so, but um, at the very least, I'd like to convince the American people, at least the ones that are listening, um, that there is one thing that is going, at the very least, one thing that's going wrong, and that is plea bargains. So a plea bargain doesn't sound like an important thing. Why would I care about it? Well, justice has been something that we've wanted from our government for a very, very long time. Um, Draco, for his draconian law, all, for as draconian his laws might have been, was the first to sort of write them down. I'm standing right now before an Egyptian uh, picture of the afterlife, which has the scales of justice. If, uh, if you're sufficiently bad, this creature eats your soul at the uh, end of it all. Um, I hate it I when that happens. Yeah. <laughs> so that shows to me that justice is something that uh, people have longed for for a very long time and have demanded from their governments for a very long time. And we don't have anything that looks like it in the United States in the criminal justice system. And I'm going to tell you why. Because currently, um, far fewer, far fewer, like somewhere in the neighborhood of 0.1% of cases. It might be 0.2 and it might be 0.3. I've looked and looked and the numbers are very difficult to know. Um, Because they don't report this stuff because they want you to know it. But let's say 
99.7% of cases that are brought against people do not end up in a trial. There That's are right. some jurisdictions that have a criminal trial this year. And that happens over and over across the United States. And the reason for it is plea bargains. Because the prosecutor knows that this is a game they play every day. Mm-hmm. All they have to do to get you to plea to something is to sufficiently make the thing that the, the time you might face by getting a fair trial to make it bad. So if, for instance, they have you, uh, uh, what, what's something that Americans do all the time? Uh, they have some, you have some expired drugs in your cabinet, um, or maybe mom gave you a, a painkiller or something like that. So you get a, a possession of dr- uh, drug possession charge. I eat mine well, when they're fresh. <laughs> That's fine. But let's say you have a, a, an expired pill in your uh, medicine cabinet. You get a drug possession charge out of some strange thing. We, uh, a lot of Americans are doing this right now. And that, they, they got you on that charge. But the prosecutor brings all kinds of charges, dealing in um, heroin, and, and he, he charges you with stuff to the point that you could be facing 20 years. And then he comes to you and says, hey, look, plead guilty and I'll give you probation, and we'll get this off our desk. Now, what are you going to do? You didn't really do anything wrong, and obviously you can beat a heroin uh, dealing charge, but he's going to charge you with a felony, so you'll never own a gun again. And you're obviously going to take it because only a fool would face 20 years when they um, have six months. And it doesn't even matter if you're guilty of it. It could have been your roommate's pill. But this is how it works. Well, Mark, and, you're, you're right in that it doesn't matter if you're guilty. But I, I think what a lot of people realize and that you may be glossing over is the fact that in a trial, you are trusting your fate, your future to 12 strangers who more often than not are idiots. And if they're not and if they're not idiots, then they probably believe their job is to convict not to weigh the evidence and come to a rational decision. And even if they want... I would say that would be kind of idiotic if that's what they believe, well, because that I, defeats I, the I don't entire purpose of a jury. I think there's a difference between stupid and, you know, that. But even if all mm. of that is not the case, right, human beings are not rational. You're not feeding this information into a computer and saying, I want you to establish... You know, 99.9% likelihood that this is what happened. You're feeding it to human beings who are flawed, emotional creatures, and they're going to make decisions from the from the moment they see a defendant. Their decision, more often than not, is made. Uh huh. I wouldn't doubt that. Um, I, I'd like that's to say the that's fair the trial side. that is the alternative. And I'm not saying right. either one and, is better than the other, a, but I'm saying this fair trial thing you're talking about world, isn't very good. Well, the big one violation. Of the place, places in the world that has a jury trial. Like, we, most places do not do this. They'll give you three judges for a felony, maybe five, and then, you know, you're judged based on the law. I'm not saying the chances are better, and I'm not saying it's better, but I'm saying that probably the number one problem with the American judicial system is the plea bargain, because here's why. Mm-hmm. If there is, um, like, if somebody's guilty, Aren't we, isn't it a miscarriage of justice if they don't get a trial and get the sentence that they were supposed to get? I mean, bargaining with the prosecutor doesn't serve the public. This is a public servant bargaining away justice. Mm. And 
it seems like more often, uh, many times when you hear it on the news, it's like, well, this, uh, you know, this guy that murdered seven children is plea bargaining out to, um, you know, something lesser. Well, who wants that? Hmm. I suggest that if we all want more justice out of our justice system, that we do away with plea bargaining, period. Plea bargaining doesn't serve anybody but public servants getting paid to do their job and guilty people terribly guilty people, awful people. And what would happen is we'd have far fewer cases brought forward. The drug war would be completely under control because they wouldn't be able to handle the cases and crimes of the victim would be prioritized. So you're saying that if, uh, if we were to abolish the plea deal process, they would be forced to drop more charges and instead? Yeah. Well, like we've always said, it would overflow the system. Mm-hmm. Um, the, you know, you missed the worst thing about plea bargains, though, which is th- there's a converse side to look at it. You you might say that, uh, and and you did say that in in a lot of people, it involves uh, guilty people getting um, a lighter decision than uh, than they deserve. But the flip side of that is um, a lot of times what you get on a on a plea bargain. I mean, that's a reasonable outcome from the state's point of view and it, but if you go to trial they punish you further for executing for uh, for demanding your right to free process which is your right under the 8th amendment so the uh, I sure did that so to you it's a violation of your constitutional rights we'll as continue well. uh, mark i imagine you want to continue the discussion the number is 603-283-6160 It is Free Talk Live. The phones are open and you can join us here. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. Free Talk Live is brought to you by Bitcoin.com. You're ready to learn about cryptocurrency like Bitcoin and Bitcoin Cash. You can get on over to Bitcoin.com. And you can do that over there. Uh, they've got a, an excellent Get Started section. You just click Get Started at the top of the page, and you can learn the basics about important things like what is decentralization and why does it need to come to the world of money and you know what makes Bitcoin and Bitcoin Cash and cryptocurrency so different from the money that has come before it. You can learn these things over at Bitcoin.com. Again, click Get Started at the top of the page. If you want to get your first cryptos, you can do that through Bitcoin.com. They've got a ton of cool features over there. And then there's new, uh, their news site. So if you are not brand new to crypto and you want to get the latest news headlines about crypto, get on over to news.bitcoin.com. Again, that is news.bitcoin.com. we got Mark Edge on the line here calling in about the frustration that you have experienced, Mark, about the plea deal process and uh, that you say plea deal shouldn't even exist because basically it gets people who are real criminals off easier sentences on easier sentences and for people who are not actual criminals who maybe have been falsely accused by the state because they get stacked up with a bunch of charges and intimidated they take a plea deal and in many cases they're pleading guilty to something they didn't even do Uh, so that's kind of my summary here but uh, what else did you want to say yeah, basically that is, is that innocent people are harmed and the public is harmed. The only people that benefit are government employees who don't have to do their jobs. 
pay them to do, mm-hmm. and the uh, terribly awful, guilty, evil people that are um, really getting beat. Now, I've got a lot to say about the criminal justice system. I don't system, think that's a fair assessment, one. Mark. Okay. Right. Uh, I mean, there there are certainly people out there who would be wrongfully convicted in a trial if they took a matter to trial, and then they would be facing, you know, 10 years in prison instead of a year or whatever. I wonder about that. Um, like, on one hand, I sort of agree. So, for instance, what we know is, is that um, people who are found guilty, felons are found uh, guilty at trial at about 60% rate. And what that suggests to me is, is that anybody who is willing to take their uh, case to trial um, is either terribly guilty <laughs> or innocent, like full-on innocent. If, if you're willing to take a case to trial and keep turning down plea bargain after plea bargain from these people who do not want to do their jobs, apparently, um, then you likely are innocent. And so the idea that we're finding people um, not guilty excuse me, we're finding them guilty at, at a rate of 66% in felon cases, suggests to me that juries are completely unqualified to do their job. Well, certainly, and but I don't know how you can see a correlation between a person's willingness to take a matter to trial while at the same time admitting that, you know, what the prosecutors do is they stack charges against people and intimidate them into accepting a plea deal. So it's not a matter of being guilty or not guilty. It's a matter of being intimidated or not intimidated. That's what it comes to uh, taking the plea bargain, right. Uh, plea bargains intimidate people, innocent people, or people that would win at trial, or people that are not worth um, convicting into taking plea bargains. And the reason we have a prison industrial complex in the United States is because we do this on an industrial scale. I don't know of any country that does a plea bargain the way the United States does. But this is why our prisons are stacked full of people, and why the best estimates uh, that are given is that 15%, 1-5% of people who are in prison right now are completely innocent. And, and a lot of them the rest of them don't belong there anyway because what the, whatever it is they're guilty of was never a crime to begin with. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Um, the, drug, the drug wars would be another step that I would take, but at this point I'm talking about uh, plea bargains. And I think that without plea bargains and getting rid of the drug war, the, um, the American criminal justice system would make a lot more sense. Hmm. No doubt. Well, they're not going to change that anytime soon. <laughs> no, it, it, well, because no one will stand up and say anything, sadly, and not enough people will. It just doesn't matter. If, it, if you're not the one being charged, then it doesn't matter to you. And at this point, that's, Americans are getting the government they deserve. Mm-hmm. One that doesn't listen to any, of anything they have to say because they won't say anything forcefully enough. It's frustrating. Uh, well, I imagine that's one of the reasons why you are moving to Honduras. It is one of the reasons I'm moving to Honduras. As a matter of fact, one of the reasons <laughs> I'm moving more to likely a to stand up inside to the, of Honduras. Are they more likely to stand up to the government in Honduras? Because that's definitely got a spotty record of success in South America. I don't imagine their government, uh, they consider their government to be terribly effective um, in Honduras. Um, you know, they mostly they expect they put their hands out hoping for something free and not getting it. Yeah, I think the government the of the Honduras are very, uh, very uh, dedicated. I think the government of so Honduras is smaller Honduran and just tends to leave people alone. What's that? I suspect the government of the Honduras is smaller and tends to leave people alone. Mm, yeah, I, I mean, it certainly collects tax. 
Um, sure. You know, and that sort of thing. I think that um, they're more likely to leave a rich gringo alone, but they are not known for likely leaving their own people alone. That's why there's an S-ton of people that want to escape from there and move to the United States. Have you heard of the caravans? Mostly, yeah, it mostly has to do with uh, poverty and um, ineffectiveness of government. You know, they... Well, the reason why yeah. there's poverty is because the state is taking so much from people and preventing them from creating wealth for themselves. That's, that's In many part cases, of it, but there's um, it more to, to do it. licensure. Uh-huh. So that it would be preventing them from creating wealth for themselves yep. if they're not going to issue a license. That is, by definition, the state preventing them from doing better. Also, the, the state uh, gets involved in minimum wage and um, employee employer relations and basically makes it so people don't want to hire in Honduras. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there are some steps in, in the place that the Maquilas, the Zedes, um, there's a few different things that, are, that have been done to, in order to prevent the government getting involved in this way. But, you know, they got their versions of Democrats and Republicans arguing about this stuff, too. I don't look to Honduras to solve problems. I look to um, Zede as a solution, and perhaps. And what for our listeners that are new to the show? What is a Zede? A Zede is a special autonomous zone in Honduras where one can set up their own civil court, their own police, their own court system. Uh, excuse me, civil law, court system, and police, and a variety of other things too. Um, they're duty free um, as far as export and import goes, and you know a bunch of tax uh, benefits and and these sorts of things. Honduras was just in the crypto news for the ZDA on the island of Roatan that is apparently making Bitcoin their legal tender. That's true. Um, the in fact. Uh, the legal tender uh, crypto is all, most major cryptos are legal tender in the others that a Morazon dot city too, but they don't seem to get the press. <laughs> Excellent, Mark. Anything else you want to share tonight? No, that'll do it. Thanks, Thanks for the call. Appreciate it. Uh, if you want to weigh in on plea deals or ZAs or whatever's on your mind, you can take control of the airwaves here. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. Maybe we'll talk about magic mushrooms on the way here tonight. Uh, Are they going to be legalized in the same path that marijuana has been following? It's Free Talk Live. Do you feel like your country no longer holds your values? Have you dreamt of a place where liberty-minded people can come together and leave government overreach behind? There are many people just like you that are discovering FreePrivateCities.com. They start at FreePrivateCities.com and connect via the social media links shown there. All skills will be needed when the first of the Free Private Cities open. It's sooner than you think. Stop arguing and build FreePrivateCities.com. FreePrivateCities.com It's Free Talk Live. Phones open. You can join us here. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. We have uh, all kinds of options for you to get interactive online with Free Talk Live, including our social media platform. You can go to social.freetalklive.com and create an account there. It's Mastodon-based system which means that it's open source it means that it is self-hosted and that means we're running the server not some big tech mega corporation like twitter in fact i know that uh, you wanted to give us a 
Elon Musk Twitter drama update on the way here, Ari, and it's it's an interesting update. We'll get into that uh, coming up. But for those of you that actually want to have more freedom to speak on social media, just go to social.freetalklive.com and you can do that there. We're going to go to your phone calls and thoughts. And then on the way, maybe we'll talk about uh, the Twitter update there. And also marijuana and psilocybin mushrooms. But first, David Fox. I don't know if I should say his last name. <laughs> the uh, the caller ID. I have a new feature on our phone system that I turned on today that I found that sort of auto-populates caller ID info. So I'm going to have to get used to not saying people's last names. David, you're on Free Talk Live. Go ahead. No worries. Hey, how's it going, y'all? What's on your mind? Uh, so I just uh, wanted to ask, uh, do, do you know who Tom Woods is? Sure. Yeah, sure. For our listeners that uh, don't know, who is he? So Tom Woods, he's, uh, I guess, uh, a quote-unquote influencer in the libertarian sphere. He's been around forever, written a bunch of books. He's got a podcast. Uh, yeah, and uh, per- personally, he's, he's sort of kind of been uh, you know, an inspiration to me. Mm-hmm. Sort of kind of introduced me, among others, to the ideas of liberty. Yeah, he's uh, definitely a great communicator of the ideas of liberty. His podcast is quite popular. He's one of the few libertarian podcasters and there are dozens of libertarian podcasters but he's one of the few that actually does a show i think five days a week so there aren't very many that are in that particular category and he's one of them yeah yeah uh i mean i i think he's a great guy but uh evidently he's been uh involved in some controversy of late and uh sort of kind of want to know if you heard about it and what you thought um um it's come to light that uh, I guess his first wife and he started dating when he was 26 and she was 15, right? And this has got people's panties in a wad. I, I don't know. It, it seems to be accurate, but uh, I, ha, have you all heard about that? And if so, how what, many what decades ago was that? This is, I believe, in the a late 1990s, so 20 plus years ago. I'm aware of it to a degree. But I live here in New Hampshire where libertarians generally have better things to do than argue with one another online. It's just more online libertarian drama, big L libertarian party nonsense that, you know, this is the kind of crap that's holding the libertarian party back. They're, they're constantly fighting over nonsensical garbage like this. Does it matter what Tom Woods did 30 years ago? Why, why are people fixated on that? Why aren't they going out there trying to achieve liberty in our lifetime? Instead, let's pick a fight with one of the most popular libertarian influencers in the world instead of doing anything productive. Yeah, the amount of energy that people spend, uh, and it's not just Tom Woods, it's, you know, there's, there's some drama of the week every single week. Didn't you guys used to do a, we, like a libertarian drama of the week? We did. Your shit, what was it? Um, Call to Freedom. Yeah, Call to Freedom, thank you. We had a libertarian drama of the week. <laughs> and usually and, there's more than one to choose yeah, from. Yeah, like usually we would have multiple ones to go through. I mean, it's, it's common for libertarians, I don't know, my theory is that it's like it's like starving puppies, right? A well-fed, happy puppy doesn't fight with its with its brothers and sisters. But if you have like five or six starving puppies and you throw just a little bit of food out there, mm-hmm. they're going to fight to the death over it. And the Libertarian Party just has that tiny little scrap of food that is the 1% or 2% of the national vote they get. And they will fight each other to the death for that. That's always been the common wisdom about... Uh, 
academic politics, which are also particularly nasty. They say the politics are so nasty because the stakes are so low. That seems to be the case with the LP. You mean like at a college or something? Yeah. Okay. Uh, So, David, regarding the the issue, quote-unquote, I don't really even see what the issue is. From, from I don't what care I, if he was sleeping with from, her when she was 15. From it's what not I, my business. Well, and from what I've seen, it, it isn't even the lady who is bringing this forward. It's her sister. So everybody's touting what her sister has to say as though it means something. It's like, well... What does if, the lady have to say? If the lady wants to come out and say she was somehow taken advantage of or whatever, uh, then that would be a completely different story. But regardless, it seems to me like you've got two people consenting to be together. These people got married, from what I understand, uh, when she turned yeah, 18. Yeah, that's right. They, they got engaged when, when she was 18, got yeah. married when she was 19, had some kids. I think they're divorced now, but, I mean, it's not like I'm really keeping up with his love life, but that, that's my understanding. I mean, yeah, I, I don't see what the big, what the big deal is, right? I don't either. It's just that some people love to, uh, you know, kill a sacred cow. They they love to target people who are these heroes to some and try to take them down a notch. And they get a real, uh, you know, they get pleasure out of that. I think. And yeah, it's that's also what's going an opportunity here. for virtue signaling. Mm-hmm. Right. They live for those seventy likes they get on Facebook when they you know ramble on lengthy tirades about tom woods and how how they condemn this sort of predatory behavior and i'm like dude you're 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 on the same platform as people just posting nonsense okay calm down yeah people are calling the you know people are calling him a quote-unquote groomer and it's just like look she was 15 at the time yeah and supposedly i've seen some of the details supposedly they didn't even meet until she was 16 but regardless uh we're still talking about a teenage human being here this is not a child i understand that the people that you know people just cannot make a distinction between children and teenagers but there is a distinction teenagers are going through and or have gone through puberty they are physically and in many cases mentally interested in having adult relationships and should be free to make those choices if they want to and i can't understand how libertarians can think any other way can believe in the individual supposedly right that's that's what libertarians believe in is individual you know volition and freedom and freedom to choose but then say oh no 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 she wasn't the government's age so therefore she's a child and it's just so insulting to somebody who is that age somebody who's 15 16 17 years old it's such an insult to them to say oh no sweetie you can't make a choice for yourself. I mean, I'll give it to them that 15, you're really starting to push the line at that point, right? No doubt. The younger somebody gets, then you could make an argument that they might be being taken advantage of or whatever. But if that person's not saying they were taken advantage of, then I have no reason to believe also anything true. about that. So, David, anything else you want to share? Yeah, and it, yeah, it just seems like a, I don't know, a smear piece by her sister. Mm-hmm. I don't know what kind of grudge they have. You know, but yeah, that, I was I was just wondering what your hot take was. That's it. Yeah, I mean, people should be free to make choices, even young people, and sometimes that's the wrong choice. And I don't, again, to my knowledge, this woman is not saying it was the wrong choice. They've got kids together. They clearly had a good enough relationship to have more than one child, right? Like, if you screwed up and you were with somebody who was abusive or you, for some reason the relationship was terrible— 
would you really go ahead and have a second child with that person? I mean, that just doesn't make any sense. These are like he's isn't he a Catholic? Isn't Tom? Woods I don't know, like, but yeah. I will say that people in abusive well, relationships make way dumber decisions than I'm going to have a second child with this person. I, yeah. That's not unheard of. But but isn't he a Catholic? I don't know, but nothing I've ever seen from him suggests that he's abusive. Do you know, David? Do you know what his religion is? I, I think he is a Catholic. Yeah. I mean, so, you know, I don't know how depraved of a sexual relationship these people are having, but I suspect it's fairly vanilla. And, uh, you know, these guys, they're, they're a religious family. He's a religious man. What's the big deal here? They got, they got married with the permission of her parents, from what I understand, and everything was okay. Somebody's got a grudge that they're holding, and it's not, from what I understand, the woman in, in question. And you know That's what? Not surprising. Though. Even if it was her, again, you made your choices. You're a teenager. You could make that choice. You can make a choice to do a lot of things as a teenager. Uh, thank you for the call, David. I appreciate hearing from you. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. You can bring up whatever's on your mind here. This is Free Talk Live. Talk live. You can bring up whatever is on your mind here. The number is 603-283-6160. It was announced last week that uh, Elon Musk had purchased over 9% of Twitter, and then they offered him a seat on the board. There's been a development in that situation, and Arya's got the story. We're going to get into it on the way. Uh, again, the number here is 603-283-6160. You can join us online, of course, over at freetalklive.com and enjoy the features that we have for you there. Over Once again, it's freetalklive.com. You can download archives that go back for years for free. Let's go to your phone calls and thoughts, though. We got Brad on the line in Michigan. Brad. Or Bradley. Hi, I'm just uh, calling about the last caller's topic about the Tom Woods controversy. Sure. Um, yeah, basically, I have uh, some personal experience with this type of issue. Um, I ended up going to prison for 40 months. Sorry uh, to hear that. Because, yeah, when I was 20, uh, I was involved with a 15-year-old. That's um, a stupid reason to send someone to prison for more than three years. Yeah, and it's it's a really um, unjust system that we have because I have to register on the sex offender registry for 25 years. And wow. even though I hold a, you know, I have a college degree and I still have a really hard time getting a job, uh, like at a gas station, for example. Amazing. So, but, I mean, um, I don't know how much you want to tell us about that situation. Was uh, this person consenting, but parents found out and called the cops or... How did you end up um, behind bars? Well, I don't know how it, you know, came about, but yeah, they were definitely consenting because as a libertarian, I would never, you know, violate the non-aggression principle like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing is, you know, that like cancel culture, right? Like sex offender stuff is the worst uh thing in society according you know like i, I don't know how to explain it but yeah i mean well, that's a you know, vicious in, label right to to have to i mean because at that point you're on list there are apps that can monitor you you know you people can pull them up i've I never experimented with these with one of these but well, i've heard that there are apps where you can pull up and you can see all of the sex offenders in your area or whatever yeah. some of these people are just 
People like you. And you don't get to explain yourself. You don't get the chance to say, oh, well, no, this was no big deal. It was totally consensual. All they do is they see, oh, this person was convicted for sexual assault on a minor. Well, he must be raping children. Uh, you know, and I don't know what the exact charge was that you ended up going. Was it was it something like that? Uh, yeah, basically. And, um, you know, it, it's just really ridiculous because even in the liberty movement, you know, I suffer problems. Like uh, the Libertarian Party, uh, you know, a while back they made a big stink about it. Uh, and then more recently, Young Americans for Liberty actually tried canceling me uh, with a job offer. Hmm. <laughs> you know, it's, it's just it's ridiculous. Like Tom Woods, he is, you know, really, really persuasive when it comes to uh, getting people motivated to stand up to the, the cancel culture and all that stuff. Yep. You know, but even libertarians are doing that. Sure. It's going on right in with uh, within this movement. And it's just it's so sad. How long ago was this that this happened to you? Uh, 2016. OK. So not too long ago. It's fairly recent. I mean, it's still uh, horrible. It's I'm just I'm, to... I'm just curious. And like if this had been in the 90s or something, I, I would be shocked to find. Actually, I guess in hindsight, I wouldn't be shocked to find libertarians still holding against you because they're still trying to do that with Tom Woods right now. So you took a, did you take a plea, Brad? Yeah, I did. Uh, Because if I wouldn't have, I would have got nine years in prison. Wow. Presuming you were found guilty and the girl was, was she willing to testify? Um, I don't know, but um, they would have found me guilty because, I mean, they they always find you guilty. (laughs) Not always. There have been a few times recently where they haven't, but probably not in those types of cases. Didn't like uh, all of the Whitner kidnappers get found not two guilty? Two of the four people in the uh, the Whitmer case, the that's the governor of Michigan, uh, they were found not guilty. The other two were hung juries, so they couldn't come to a decision. And there were two others who took a guilty plea, so they're going to prison in that mm. particular case. You know, the, the thing I regret the most about this whole situation is I spent $7,000 on a lawyer Oh, geez. If I would have bought Bitcoin, I'd be a millionaire today. <laughs> Damn. Mm. That would have been a nice thing to come out of prison, too. Yeah, it would have. All right. I missed most of the increases because of prison. Oh, that's a downer. Bradley, anything else you want to share tonight? No, that's it. I just want to share that. All right, I mean, you've only it. missed the increases if they're over, right? And I don't think Bitcoin is plummet. I don't think it's staying at 40000 or whatever it's at Yeah, right drop below 40000 today, 39000 yeah, I Apparently. think, you know, million-dollar Bitcoin is inevitable at some point. Well, I bought, I bought before it was 20000 at least. That's good. Thank you, Bradley. So, yeah. I appreciate your call right. tonight, man, and thanks for sharing your story. I know that's not an easy thing to do. Let's go to Bad Slave calling us from New Hampshire. Bad Slave, you're on Free Talk Live. Howdy, guys. Thanks hey. for taking my call. Uh, I wanted to say real quickly about Tom Woods. I know him personally. He is not a groomer. He is uh, a decent guy. His uh, uh, first wife was uh, the oldest of 16 or something like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, she had every reason to be a very mature young woman uh, when he met her. And uh, I just, I'm just thinking this is just you know, bull crap. Mm-hmm. To be honest with. You. Yep, they're anyway, just trying to drag uh, somebody through the mud for you know, just because. Yeah, well, and 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 Tom's a great guy. I you know, he if is. you go out and destroy 
all these people that are just great liberty people, what are we going to do? I mean, it's crazy. That's what online uh, libertarians think, do, though. That, that, that's all they do. They eat their own. Yeah. Uh, well, I, well, I'm an online libertarian, and I'm not doing it. No, I, mean, I, I think what she means to- by that is she's talking about people who have not moved to New Hampshire and have actually people who are not busy doing any real activism. Because if you actually were busy, yeah. then you wouldn't find yourself bogged down in all of this online drama constantly. Uh, the people in New Hampshire, you don't see them. That's not to say it hasn't happened or wouldn't happen in New Hampshire. They did fight over the Libertarian Party uh, last year or something like that. Man, from what I can tell, that's but... mostly new movers who haven't adjusted to the to the reality that here in New Hampshire, we all we all get along with each other. Right. Well, I mean, yes and no. Not Most everybody likes everybody. When you've got thousands of people here, there's, there's going to be some people that don't get along. Liking someone and not getting in their way. Rather, yeah. we, we don't get in each other's way here as we're working toward liberty. Ultimately, it usually shakes out where the worst characters that move here usually leave. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but Bad anyway, Slave, what else? I wanted to bring up uh, this Zeta thing with ZA, with, uh, Mark. the Special Economic Zone. ZA, whatever. I don't care. I I think you know. I asked him uh, earlier if. If he had actually looked into, you know, creating a ZA in in New Hampshire, why why the heck not? And 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 I just, I'm right there with you. I've been saying that for years. What's that? I'm right there with you. I've been saying that for years that we should well, push for that. Go. I mean, just 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 do it. Just be on it and do it. It 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 there there can't be as uh, a a worse situation than in Honduras. I mean, really. I think with the United States, you you have to you're going to have to negotiate with two separate governments: uh, the United States government and the state of New Hampshire. And both of them have a history. Well, I don't know about the state of New Hampshire, but the U.S. government they don't have a a, a good history of keeping their agreements with special economic well, zones. Just look to the Native Americans. The federal government, and 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 we can do something about that, and that's called nullification. If we, you know, activate nullification, and and you know, I don't see how where Mark was ever on that, and here he is advertising to to uh, pull people away, you know, from the Free State Project and the, and 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 the Liberty Movement that that's going on well, here. Well, you know, I really wouldn't worry so much about it, Bad Slave, because ultimately the ZA concept in Honduras or other countries, it's not just a Honduras thing. There's, I don't know, supposedly thousands of these things all around the planet. Uh, this concept is only going to attract a certain type of person, somebody who can work remotely, somebody with the wealth to be able to migrate to another place on uh, on the planet, which is not necessarily an easy thing to do. And he's starting from zero. He's starting from zero. The Free State Project is, you know, a 20 year old movement at this point. So we've got thousands. It's getting cute. Somebody that's willing. Stand we seem by. to have lost you, bad yeah, slave. Bad, uh, bad connection there. Appreciate hearing from him. Mean, we can continue to discuss it here on the way, though. It is. I do understand where he's coming from. He feels like Mark is uh, 
turning against the Free State Project and the, the migration here to New Hampshire. And you know what? I don't think there's anything wrong with a little bit of competition. We'll see if Mark can make it happen because everyone else has failed. It's Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live's video archives have been on Library for years. Library is an uncensorable, decentralized, blockchain-based media sharing protocol, and we're big fans of it here on Free Talk Live. In 2020, Library launched Odyssey, a video sharing website to compete with YouTube, and it's really taking off. Now with over 1 million channels, many of whom are disaffected YouTube creators. During YouTube's crackdown for not towing the government line on COVID, the Free Talk Live YouTube channel started receiving strikes and could be completely taken down at any moment. Thankfully, Odyssey started offering live streaming, so we're now streaming live every night and posting our video archives permanently to Odyssey. You can watch live or anytime on our Odyssey channel by visiting video.freetalklive.com. If you want to go all in, download the desktop app at lbry.com, and then every video archive you watch, you'll help seed and keep it online forever. At minimum, we ask you visit video.freetalklive.com and follow us on Odyssey today. Video.freetalklive.com. Free Talk Live. It's Free Talk Live. We're kicking off the second hour of the program. Coming up, Elon Musk not going to be joining the board of Twitter. We can also talk about psychedelic mushrooms and more. Whatever, of course, is on your mind. You can join the show at 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. Actually, we haven't even gotten to any show prep. It's been uh, callers so far tonight, which is refreshing. I'm actually sort of surprised that the Tom Woods stuff hasn't brought out more callers. But, I mean, it's still early in the show. There's one on hold actually right now that we're going to get to here in moments. But with you tonight, you've got Ian. Nobody. And Aria. We go to Thomas on the line in Indiana. You're on Free Talk Live. Thomas. Hey guys, it's uh, good to talk to you. Um, I hear you guys, uh, you know, standing up for Tom Woods and stuff, which uh, I'm glad to hear that. But uh, sadly, I've heard uh, Free Talk Live over the last year or so uh, start to uh, give in on that a little bit uh, to that statutory rape BS. I mean, give in on what? The the whole statutory rape, sexual misconduct. uh, they're giving in to the, uh, it seems like I hear them, you guys, uh, not so much you, Ian, but I hear others, uh, Badmouth Epstein and Elaine Maxwell and, uh, you know, everything they're accused of is, is all, all to do with teenagers, but, but they call them like they're, they're, they're pedophiles, you know, um, I have not heard that are- from hosts on this particular show. And I'm on six out of seven nights per week. So, I mean, the situation, though, there was quite different than a uh, Tom Woods relationship oh, with, right. a, with a teenager. Epstein was involved in a lot of things. Yeah, I mean, they definitely yeah. were putting uh, those young women in a quite a different situation. Although I will still not take away their ability to consent. And I, I have always I questioned. Mean, we said that then. Right. Yeah. I mean, I've I've always questioned the fact that these girls kept going back for more money. Right. And that the, they were, yeah, they were paid and they, they were at least, you know, teenagers, older teenagers to boot and uh, totally consented. But but yet I hear him hear him called like he, he's a he's a chomo or child molester nonstop without question. And no, I don't think you've heard that on, like on this show. 
Not no, not from you, Ian, at least. But, well, uh, I'm on the show six nights out of the week, so I would have remembered hearing something like that from one of my co-hosts. If I that mean, there's were the plenty case. of negative stuff to say about Jeffrey Epstein, but. Yeah, like he hung I, uh, with politicians. That's about the worst thing. That's, yeah, that's well, a terrible thing. That and he <laughs> apparently had a blackmail habit, which uh, you know maybe one of the big reasons that every time uh, Israel wants our government to do something, it does. Yeah, that was the um, suggestion was that he was working for the Mossad. Israelis, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. All right, Thomas. Anything yeah, else you want to share? Uh, I just wanted to uh, comment on that. It just seems seems like everybody, you know, just calls him a child molester, no question. But I, even the people uh, putting the charges against him and all that, I, I haven't seen any evidence of any actual children being victimized. No, I had not heard uh, anything about that either, and they certainly didn't uh, bring anyone to the, you know, to testify to that end. The girl that was going after him was, I believe, 17 at the time when she was right. in his employ. The one that got photographed with Prince Andrew, that that one. Uh, you know, that's she, the age most of the so-called underage ones were. You know. Yeah, I mean, they did get younger, um, but again, they were always uh, teenagers from what uh, the reports that I saw. Thank you, Thomas, for the call tonight. Uh, the number is 603-283-6160. I mean, it really goes back to what you were saying about Tom Woods, is that there's this huge desire among people, especially in the United States, apparently, to treat anyone under the age of 18 as though they're a five-year-old. And that's insulting it is. to somebody under the age of 18. I was living on my own at the age of 16, mm-hmm. more than capable of making my own decisions. But according to these people, no, I might as well have been wearing diapers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, their inability to recognize any distinction between a 17-year-old and a 7-year-old is terrifying. Unfortunately, that is, appears to be what laws do to people. I mean, it's just absolutely ludicrous. Um, but regardless, we go on with your calls and thoughts. Sarah in New Mexico, you're on Free Talk Live. Sarah. So our governor is going to reduce the rail runner train service 75% uh, until month of July, end of July. What is the rail runner train service? Yeah, so it's a train ride go- that goes from Santa Fe all the way down to Las Lunas, I oh. believe. Okay. And so they're if, reducing if, what if, the amount of trains that are running or the amount of time that the trains are running? No, the price. They're trying oh. to give the the customers a break. So, so instead so of taxpayers are going to subsidize it. Then is what you're saying? Well, yeah, people that are working to go on the train to go work a job in Santa Fe, and people that work in that live in Santa Fe that work in Albuquerque are going to get that benefit. And people who never saw the train, never rode the train, will get to pay for it. Yeah, but no, we get to pay for <laughs> Isn't that nice for them? Isn't that nice for them? Yeah, you get to jack their Mexico. money for a train they never saw. <laughs> then they can't afford to get on the train they can get on. But it's our governor uh, that's doing it. So, you know, people are riding the train because they can, it's uh, the gas prices. You know what I mean? Because uh, they're on the train because they cannot afford the gas prices. Right, so, so you just don't care about it. could have cut taxes on the gas. So nobody made a point, Sarah, and you completely ignored it as you uh, tend to do. And his point was that everyone in New Mexico is being forced to pay for a train that most of them will never ride. And you're totally fine with that, right? 
Well, you mean New Hampshire? No, New Mexico. New Mexico, where where you you are. Well, yeah, it's about it's about community. It's to you know contribute (laughs) and to. Well, why don't you send me a hundred bucks for no reason? Because it's about community. I should jack your stuff because it's about community. (laughs) If it were really about community, Sarah, here's the thing. If it were really about community, then the train, and we know Sarah loves a a choo-choo, the choo-choo would have been funded voluntarily by the people in the Mm -hmm. community. They would have come together and and done fundraising and given, you know, big Kickstarter benefits or whatever it is they would have done. And they would have laid the track through voluntary means and the whole thing would run and it would make a profit. But it can't do that because people just don't care. And so the few uh, politicos that are interested in trains, uh, they passed this program and they forced it down everybody's throats. Yeah. If you want to live in a decent community, don't force everybody to pay for what you want. Thank you for the call tonight, Sarah. She doesn't care about decency, though. She's a communist. <laughs> By the way, there was uh, somebody who was pushing a train, a government train. Pushing here. a train? That's the hard. Idea. They're pushing the idea of the train here in New Hampshire that would go from Manchester to Boston. And luckily, I believe the uh, the people, the good people of New Hampshire said, no, we are not interested in that. Thank Whoever goodness. had that idea should go from Manchester to Boston. And stay there. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's not, as I understand it, that idea is not coming to fruition here because thankfully the people that run the governments, which all governments are bad, but the New Hampshire government is less bad than the one in New Mexico. They're just much more frugal here in general, and they're just not mm. likely to say yes to spending like that. Well, thank goodness, so, right? Because yeah. we don't need a train to take the commute that you know thousands upon thousands of people are taking every single day without issue. What do you mean? I mean, thousands of people are driving from Manchester to Boston every single day. Oh, they yeah. don't need a train to do it. They already have mm-hmm. vehicles. And I realize that communists like Sarah hate that idea of people mm. having their own vehicles. Individuals. Yeah, how choosing. horrible. But these people can go anywhere they want, whenever they want. Hey, if they, if they thought they'd be better off on a train, they could invest in a train company. Yep, and buy the land to lay the track and try to make some money off of it. Or just charge no, you know, charge only enough to cover the cost of repairs. I mean, whatever. Make it a nonprofit. I don't care as long as it's done voluntarily. But how many government, you know, how many of these train projects out there have actually been done voluntarily since, you know, the 1800s? Mm-hmm. I suspect none. Yeah. Because that's a lot of land to have to buy. And it's a, it's a weird portion of land to buy as right. well. It's like, I need this six foot wide strip for the next 45 miles. The number tonight, if you want to join us, 603-283-6160. Elon Musk could do it, though. I yeah. bet if he wanted to make a choo-choo, he could do that. He's got a I'd rather building. have him getting us off the planet. <laughs> yeah, there's more on the way here. Uh, we'll talk about Musk and the latest from his buy of Twitter. It is Free Talk Live. Phone's open. You can join us here at 603-283-6160. Joining you in the studio tonight, you've got Ian. Nobody. And Aria. You can join us online anytime you want over at freetalklive.com and enjoy the features waiting for you there. Uh, We do have the Matrix Chat Server, which is an open source uh, federated chat system, meaning you can connect 
with other people on other Matrix servers. It's a pretty cool system, and it's free to use. So head over to chat.freetalklive.com. You can get the step-by-step instructions as to how to get on the server. Uh, it does take a few hoops to jump through, but then once you're connected, it's really easy to use. Chat.freetalklive.com. As we go back to the phones, to your calls and thoughts, we'll get into uh, Elon Musk and Twitter here in moments. But first, Dan is on the line in Nebraska. You're on Free Talk Live. Dan. Hey, you guys. Hey, Dan. So I, I just heard uh, you guys talking about trains with Sarah. And yeah. I actually, if you could have guessed him, I am pretty sympathetic to Sarah's position. Shocking. But I feel like maybe she didn't explain it very well. Would you describe so yourself as a communist, Dan? Trip. So the way I would describe myself is somewhere between a social Democrat and a neoliberal. Do you know that my foreign policy beliefs are neoliberal? Are those just newer words to describe a communist? Hmm. No, no, no. I believe in stuff like like the values of neoliberalism would be stuff like, you know, free trade, uh, also capitalism, but regulated capitalism, evidence based policy. You know, it's the idea of the, the taco truck on every corner, you know getting the best out of liberalism and uh, progressivism. So you believe in free trade. All right, let's go on and hear why you think, if you can believe in free trade, why you want to have a government-funded choo-choo. So I think that, well, look, and the thing is, is I'm not not hugely into either side on that, but what it is is that, you know, the cars themselves... I don't think are the future and I don't think that it's good that we've built our society so much around cars because the thing is we had a choice at one time to either build our society around trains or cars. And now that the cars have won out, everybody is, you know, de facto forced to get a car. We actually didn't have a choice to to have insured, inspected and, uh, you know, pay for your own gas. Like when for many people, we got ahead of the game. They could have been spared all this, this huge tax on people, which is to have to have your own vehicle if you want to live in a state mm-hmm. like Nebraska. Um, okay, there's a few things well, to unpack well, hold on. here. He you, to jump in. The first thing that I would say to you is we actually didn't have a choice. That choice was taken away from us by the government. And they made the decision to rob us blind and then use that money to build a huge interstate uh, interstate highway system. So that wasn't something the American people chose. That was something that bureaucrats chose for them. And if they didn't want to pay for it, they put them in prison. So uh, I it it may have been a, it may well have been a bad idea. Certainly, there there are there are problems with it. But uh, usually, when when government takes people's freedom from them and forces uh, forces solutions on them, those solutions don't end up being the best thing for the people. I will also point out that. You know, trains only go where their tracks can take them. Mm-hmm. So vehicles have an automatic benefit in that there are more roads than there are train tracks everywhere. And maybe that would be different, right? If the automobile had never... Maybe there would be train tracks everywhere. Without the government, we wouldn't need roads. We'd be hovering. Mm. That's also true, right? Like, we would have flying cars if it wasn't mm-hmm. for the government. Yep, no doubt about it. So, Dan, uh, what is it that you're getting to here? 
Well, what I'm getting to is that, look, I think that there is a lot of, there's a growing demand, I think, um, for public transportation and in anti-car sentiment amongst Americans. Because I think that now retrospectively, a lot of us, you know, we want, we want uh, things to kind of go differently from here on out. And that's why I suppose I'm saying I'm sympathetic to Sarah's wanting to keep, you know, the trains going in New Mexico because, you know, having a car is, it's a pain in a lot of cases. And, uh, okay. So you are saying you support government funded trains? Yes. Okay. So I you're not in favor government. of free trade then? <laughs> no free trade between countries. I mean, not 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 a completely free market. I support ah. things like free trade, though. Okay. Yeah. So you're not like in favor of tariffs, is what you're saying. You don't actually believe in people being able to trade freely from individual to individual. I don't have a hard and fast rule against tariffs, but I mean, look, I want the outcome. To okay, be well, then you're not in favor of free trade between countries, then. Hmm. What are you in favor of, Dan? It sounds like total control, and Dan should be in charge, and Dan knows what's best. Dan thinks that there needs to be government rails, so Dan is going to support the government rails because he believes, as he admitted to us last week, I don't know if y'all were on the the show where he called and said this, that he's a utilitarian. Yeah, I was here for that. Yeah, and so therefore, uh, what that means is that whatever Dan thinks the best outcome is, Dan is willing to take whatever steps are necessary to achieve whatever he thinks Mm -hmm. the best outcome is. Well, utilitarianism is a philosophy based on the greatest good for the greatest number. And since everybody disagrees on what's good, then the way to get the greatest good for the greatest number is to have each person pursuing their own good in their own way. Because if everybody gets the same thing, most people aren't going to like it. If everybody has to listen to the same uh, to the same music, it's going to be bubblegum pop. Um, and some people like that, but not everybody but likes But if Dan it. doesn't get his way, he's not going to be happy. Nobody. You, you guys, there's no way to have things like huge systems of trains without there being some type of central authority to... Have you heard of the internet, dude? (laughs) If you have to throw people in prison and ruin their lives... Nobody's going to get get thrown in prison over this. Oh, people get thrown in prison over taxes all the time. You're lying to yourself. You see, you have to understand what a government is. A government starts out like a security company. Now, a security company comes to you and they say, hey, it's a dangerous world out there. If you give me some money every week, I'll protect you. Sounds great, right? A little bit of money, you get protection. But then the government gives you the other side of it. If you don't give me some money, they say, I'm going to come and burn down your house or rape your wife or throw you in prison or kidnap you. And that is when an organization goes from being a security company and becomes a criminal enterprise. That's how the mafia operates. If you don't buy a product from them that you don't want, they do violence against you. So your government and the mafia have exactly the same business model. I want to give Dan a chance to respond to that. That's a great rant. Loved it. We're going to continue. We'll see what Dan has to say 
about the government being called out for what it is, which is a criminal enterprise from top to bottom. You can join us here at 603-283-6160 and bring up whatever's on your mind on Free Talk Live. Insight Daily Radio Minute. Conversations with today's most interesting artists and creators. Author, humorist, and radio personality Garrison Keillor has been a fixture in popular culture with over 30 best-selling books and his Prairie Home Companion radio program since the 1970s. And he has a new book entitled Boomtown, a Lake Wobegon novel. We caught up with Garrison to chat about his new book and the beginnings of the radio program that brought the fictional town of Lake Wobegon to life. It's an interesting novel in that I go to funerals of people I went to high school with, my, my best friends. I give a eulogy, and it's such a good eulogy that I'm asked to deliver the eulogies at other funerals, including people who I never cared for whatsoever. That's author and humorist Garrison Keillor, whose new book, Boomtown, a Lake Wobegon novel, comes out April 11th. See Garrison Keillor live on stage May 2nd at Red Rocks Amphitheater. Keillor will be joined by iconic artists, including country music star Brad Paisley, soprano Ellie Dean, Elvin Bishop's Big Fun Trio, vocalist Heather Massey, and many more. Enjoy a live show filled with Lake Wobegon stories, humor, music, and audience sing-alongs. Red Rock Amphitheater, May 2nd. Reserve your seat today. Free Talk Live. Join us if you want. You can bring up whatever you want here. The number is 603-283-6160. Even if you're a control freak, we're happy to hear from you. You <laughs> can talk about how it is you think you should force the world to be. Or your local community or whatever. Dean and Nobody and Aria in the studio tonight. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. We have Dan on the line in Nebraska. And he actually called in in reference to Sarah's call earlier where she was talking about the choo-choo, uh, the train there in New Mexico that... Sarah has just been in love with uh, trains for a long time. Of course, she's a communist. <laughs> and uh, Dan well, says... She, it's a love-hate relationship that she has with the trains, from what I can tell. She likes the trains. She hates the train stops, right? Because there are smokers there. Uh, she's she complained the about smokers. the bus stops, but oh, okay. yeah. Yeah, I don't know if she... Actually, we should have asked her if she's ever ridden the train that she was calling in about. That would have yeah. been a good question. Uh, but She likes the train. She just doesn't... She wants somebody else to, to pay, pay for, for it. it. Yeah. I'm willing to bet she's never ridden the train that she's talking about. Dan said, I suspect you're right about that because she would have no reason to go to Santa Fe. I mean, she basically just stays in her house in Albuquerque and calls talk radio all day. Uh, but, uh, but Albuquerque. Dan is uh, is with us here. He says he's not a communist, claims that he <laughs> believes in free trade, but then when we asked him about that belief, he said, well, no, he's actually... Uh, in support of things like uh, government re- regulations and tariffs and, for you, and all that. Uh, no, I'd like you to respond to what nobody said before about government being okay. a criminal gang. Sure. So the first thing I would say is that, and I know this might sound kind of weaselly, but on the topic from of the you? trains themselves, since people are already paying taxes for like a million other things, I don't know why you have to nail the trains down as the reason that people are getting sent to jail. 
That's not a response to what nobody said about government being a criminal enterprise. And for the for the record, what the the trains are not the worst thing they spend their spend their money on. The worst thing they spend their money on is mass murder. Mm Of uh, children in Iraq, for example, remember when Madeleine Albright uh, was asked if she how she felt about killing half a million children, and she said, "Oh, it was, it worth, was it. worth it. I got what I wanted." And second to the mass murder would be the mass incarceration that they do of their own people, I think, uh, for victimless crimes and things like that. But what is it that you have to say specifically to nobody's uh, claims about government being a criminal enterprise, Dan? Well, and and I don't know if you want to go down this this road, but you know that we have a little bit of disagreement about what the social contract is, whether or not it exists, whether or not it everyone really is doesn't. in the society is well, automatically opted into it. Sh- I would argue they are. How? We should be able to straighten that argument out. Why don't you bring up a cop? Show me a copy of this social of the social contract and and remind me of exactly when I signed it because it's a contract is an agreement right you have to be willing to enter into an agreement no no Dan's already said that it you you opt into it automatically well just then, by that's existing. not a contract that's just something that one group of people forces on another group of people that uh, so, that's called slavery said, not can, not contract no, <laughs> Okay, and I understand because well, do you understand, look, Dan? I understand the lot. I understand the point you're making. Like I understand how you're getting from A to B. I just, I guess, I'm not, I'm not in on all the premises yet because I actually premise number one. Where is the contract? That's a pretty simple one, right? Yeah. And what exactly does the it con- say? Y- you are born into the contract from your parents because you. So, you so who consented to this contract? So your parents um, can who who who, nat- who moved to America and naturalized themselves. Okay, or... but I got forced I into didn't it. Move to America. I was born here. Yeah, and and your ancestors who naturalized themselves, um, you know, you inherited their obligations and their benefits too from this contract. Okay, with your birth. That's what it means to be an American citizen. Okay, my, hold, hold on. My family beat the United States here. We were here first. Really? Really. My family's been here since 1620. Well, okay. <laughs> I don't, listen. Are you, did your, and they never became citizens somehow? I mean, I'm sure. We were here first. Of, the government then came and said, no, we own you. Here's a social contract proving it. Mm-hmm. But really? they didn't show anybody I mean, a contract because it never has existed they, they and it never will exist because it's pure fantasy. Right? They didn't establish mm-hmm. They didn't. They didn't make their own city. They didn't make their own state. They didn't. No, they know, were here before there were cities here. There were no cities at be. that point, Dan. This is the 1620s. There was not a Philadelphia here. Okay. Well, what if I decide to come up with a new social contract that says you have to send me a bunch of money so I can pay for things that I want and you don't? Isn't that just well, as fair as your fo- so- fo- forcing a so-called social contract that I don't want on me? Go get the rest of America on board, and you know what? I probably <laughs> concede. 
Mm. Well, that would that would be a lot easier if it wasn't for the fact that the rest of the uh, rest of the country has been dumbed down through the uh, through the government schools and propagandized. People are more informed than they've ever been, and people are getting people more are informed of more been. things that aren't true. <laughs> so, Dan, again, what? where's the contract, dude? What do you mean? So you're telling me that when people are people are going to college more, they're getting more educated careers. You're going to brush out an office. People are getting people are going to college true. and studying women's studies <laughs> so they can figure out how to be offended and 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 push their victimhood on people. Yeah, that I think everyone in this man, room has a college degree, dude. Unfortunately, I and, do have two. And years none of, of us college. are like, "Hey, we're more educated because of this." I wish I could have my time back. Honestly, you the don't think time you're more educated than a high school graduate? No. Right. College is high school with cigarettes. Dan, <laughs> where's the contract? Dan, where's the contract? The contract is your citizenship. It is that you. Prove that I'm a citizen. I never agreed to be a citizen. Are you not a citizen? Prove. I would love to not be a citizen of the United States. Look, if they would just let me not be a citizen, I will happily not be well, a they citizen. They keep insisting that I am, but I'd like to see proof that I'm a citizen because the. Do you know what the definition of a citizen is? I mean, you I went didn't to college. Sign nothing. You went to college, right, Dan? So you must be able to define the word that you're using. So is a citizen not like a like a a fully uh, like to make it simple, it's like a fully fledged, you know, legally recognized member of that nation. Nope, that's not the definition right. of a citizen. Okay, what is it? Okay, so all you have to do is look it up in a dictionary, but I'll go ahead and give it to you because I've, you know, we've talked about this a number of times. And you can check it in a legal dictionary and you can check it in a normal dictionary and you will find the exact same definition. A citizen is one who owes a duty of allegiance in return for an obligation of protection. Now, given that definition, which again is the same legally as it is normally, what evidence is there that the government has an obligation to protect me? I know that you're about to say that cops aren't actually legally allowed force to protect you. And here's the thing mm -hmm. is that, Ian, although in these certain cases, there's no particular case where they have to, what they do is they actually provide you a place to live by the cops provide me a place to live? <laughs> well, they provided no, me no, a place to live does. for for United a United while States when I was in jail. I didn't like United it, States. and they wouldn't you're let me leave. leave. Again, Dan, my family was here first. The U.S. government didn't provide anything to us. <laughs> okay, well, Arya, what happened with those settlers in the state of, of Pennsylvania uh, happened between them? Pennsylvania at the end of the day. Yes, I'm telling you, they got enslaved the by union. the state. They applied to be admitted into the union, and then they were. Whether so or not the individuals there were on board with it, the, the, the politicians came together and said, this is our new government, and we're, we're that's it. Right? And we've got the guns, so everybody kind of agrees to it if they don't want to be murdered. Yeah. And here's the social contract proving you're okay with this. It's <sighs> nonsense. Thank you for the call tonight, Dan. Uh, the number is 603-283-6160. He's educated, though. He went to college. 603-283-6160. We'll talk a little bit more about, because he did bring up citizenship and then dodged my response, but I do want to talk a little bit further about an obligation to protect. It's Free Talk Live.
live. The phones are open. You can join us here. Number 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. Ian Nobody and Aria in the studio here tonight. And we were just on the phone with Dan in Nebraska. We're going to get into what's going on with uh, Elon Musk and the potential takeover of Twitter in moments. But I just wanted to continue on the point I was going to make with Dan regarding we were talking about this so-called social contract. Of course, we asked Dan for any evidence that the thing exists and naturally could not provide that because I mean, he didn't even attempt to. Well, right? how could that, he? That's the sad thing is that he says that this document exists, but when we ask him for it or any information about this, he just goes, "Oh, no, you, he knows it's you not consented a to it because you you exist here, and the he, U.S. government gives you land or whatever nonsense." He said, yeah. "I thought they paid me. For, uh, they made me pay them for land that they didn't give me. I thought that was that was how property taxes work." <laughs> yeah, right. The, if you don't pay them, they kick you out. Of right. the land. But they provide you nothing. Yep. The whole thing's a scam uh, from top to bottom. And the thing is, he knows there's no social contract. He knows there's no document. It's just a pure political fantasy. It's something that they like to talk about. And then when you finally call them on it, they just simply try to avoid answering the question and talking in generalities about why we need the government and how long it's been around and that you were born into it and just all these assertions about it. Slavery was around for a long time, too. It didn't make it a good idea. Right. And children were born into slavery as well. I guess slavery was just a social contract. Yes, it was. Well, actually, you could actually buy yourself out of slavery in that case. Wow. Uh, so that, that I guess they had an advantage over us. <laughs> yeah. There's no escape for us. Yeah. The uh, the amount never ends that the government demands from us, uh, and it always increases. So I asked him about you know he brought up the idea of citizenship, and it insinuated that we were all citizens. And I said, well, all right, what's the definition of citizen? And he didn't know, of course. I mean, I know the U.S. government says I'm one of their subjects. Oh, they love to say it. But, I mean, I just, I don't recall ever agreeing to be one of their subjects. And that's a much better word, by the way, subject. It's much more accurate to what we are to them. And, in fact, if you listen to a police scanner, you'll hear them refer to people as subjects, which is, to me, very revealing uh, they don't say a citizen called in the, or we're looking for a citizen and on Main Street. No, they say subject. And that's it because accurate. they're being truthful in that in that one instance. Uh, a citizen is someone who owes a duty of allegiance in return for an obligation of protection. And he when I mentioned that, he says, oh, well, you're going to say they don't have an obligation to protect. Yes, that is what I'm going to say, because that is what they say. That is what their Supreme Court says Every time it comes up. Not only are they not protecting us, they are actively doing American citizens harm. Yes. And threatening us and harming us and destroying our homes and destroying our lives and destroying our freedoms. And shooting random people down like dogs in the street while they're at it. That's right. And that's very different from, you know, their obligation to protect us. So That's because there is no obligation to protect because they are totally a criminal gang. And they are completely dishonorable. Even if they say they're going to do a thing, if they don't do it, they have no responsibility. There's no actual way to hold them responsible. And so if you don't believe me... Remember how they told Russia they weren't going to expand NATO? Mm -hmm. And continued after the end of the Soviet Union. 
Uh, so if you don't believe me, though, I mean, I can prove this point that they have no obligation to protect you. Just go search for it on the Internet. Put quotes around it if you need to. No obligation to protect. And you will find court case after court case where people, they thought the government was there to protect them. They thought the police would come when they called them. They thought the cops had some sort of obligation to stop them from being raped and murdered. And you know what? It turns out they don't. And it turns out the Supreme Court has ruled this over and over. This isn't some one little, you know, one case, some obscure case from 100 years ago. No, this is over and over. It keeps coming up, and the Supreme Court keeps ruling the same way. It's like, no, government has no obligation to protect you. So it's like a contract. The only difference is that one side of the contract has no obligation to provide a product, but the other side of the mm. product has an obligation to pay for that product yeah. and to pay whatever they say, mm-hmm. whether he likes the product or not, whether he gets the product or not, he still has to pay and pay <laughs> and pay. Oh, they're going to give it to you, all right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. What is it they say? The government is there to provide service, and the uh, media is there to provide lubrication. <laughs> Painfully yep. true. Yep. So that's the game. That's how it works. And uh, what are we going to do about it? Well, that's really the important question. And of course, liberty-minded people should get to New Hampshire as soon as possible. Uh, to get together so we actually have a chance to somehow end this insanity. Because if there are enough people who come together that understand these ideas, then they become unstoppable. But that's really the key. We have to have uh, numbers. We have to have that. That is what makes the, the whole difference. Whether we're talking about a civil disobedience movement or a political movement or non-cooperation, whatever we're talking about, numbers solves everything. Get enough people here, they'll be begging us to secede. Indeed. <laughs> and I think this is more or less what Mark was getting at in his very first call. One of the statements he made was that, you know, realistically, he didn't put into these terms, but every government that exists requires the passive consent of its subjects, That's right? right. If, if From de- a democratic government to your your worst oligarchy to your monarchy, they all require the subjects to not rebel against it, or at the least to comply and obey. That's because there's always more subjects than there are rulers. Yes. And they need the soldiers to enforce that, and that's why they always pay the soldiers and the you know the enforcers of their decrees before they pay the peasantry. It's, it's always been the same game. We're still dealing with kings now. We just call them something differently, and they, they still are doing the same crap they've always done. They've but, learned. I mean, they've evolved. Oh, yeah. They've learned that, oh, we can't just claim divine right to be kings right. because that, that conflicts with their desire to see separation of church and state. So that instead, they just that become a church. Well, yes. instead, they just became a church. Without calling it that. Yeah. And now they're like, oh, but look, we have separation of church and state. And to most people, they're like, yeah, that's great because they don't realize that what we're dealing with is a religion. It's got everything mm-hmm. you would expect to find in a religion. It's got the robed people. It's got the pews. It's got the emblems, the hymns, the chants. That's right. All of it. Everything that you would expect to find. It's even got the... the uh, there, there's only two people that you can 100% confess your crimes to and you know not have worry about them getting off. The priest and the attorneys. Mm. Yep. And there's significance in that. That uh, the two professions on the entire planet 
are priests in different religions. And you can say anything you want to them, and it's confidential. And all you need to know is that prosperity is sin. And if you sin, you're doomed to burn in the eternal fires of global warming. Uh, the number here is 603-283-6160, and I think that what you point out there, Ari, is just so important for people to understand. Somehow the rose-colored glasses of the state need to be pulled off of people, and I understand some people aren't going to want to see it. People like Dan, for instance, who you know completely lost uh, within that belief system. And of course, the irony is so many people who love the state are themselves atheists. You know, They can they see are, through. And all they have to do is... Some quick Google searches, look at pictures of the insides of churches, and then Google the insides of courtrooms and mm-hmm. compare the, the two sets of images. They're identical, man. Oh, but the difference is we are the government, Arya. It's not a god. It's, it's us. Yeah, we are the god. Yes, that's well, the issue. If you're the government, I've got a bone to pick with you. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly how it came into existence, though, is this whole... It's It's... Uh, them allowing themselves to stroke their ego and feel like I am God because I mm. am government and government is God, yeah. and they don't have the the capacity to recognize that they're no longer atheists at all. They call themselves atheists, but they're mm. not. They're, they're self worshippers. They they believe themselves to be uh, to have undergone apotheosis in the form of the state, and that yeah. by becoming part of the state, they become something greater than themselves. Right. They become the rulers I'm of the universe. More than a man, I am yes. the state. Isn't apotheosis the pr- the uh, the uh, process of becoming a pharmacist? No, because <laughs> you're an apothecary. That's apothecariosis. Oh, okay, gotcha. Uh, <laughs> the number, if you want to join the show, six zero three two eight three sixty one sixty. Coming up, uh, Elon Musk stirred it up last week, or I guess he bought the stock a couple weeks ago, a few weeks ago, but then announced that he had bought over nine percent of stock for Twitter. Which he is constantly tweeting. He's a very popular uh, tweeter on there. And, of course, he's also the world's wealthiest man. So he dropped $3 billion on, again, just over 9% of the stock. And as a result, the Twitter board of directors said, Hey, Elon, we got a spot for you. You want to be on our board, right? Come on in. Well, he's made a decision about that. We'll tell you about it on the way. It's Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live. It is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever's on your mind here. Kicking off the third hour of the program. Coming up, Elon Musk and Twitter. Musk is now saying he's not going to be joining the board of directors. Joining you in the studio tonight, it's Ian. Nobody. And Aria. We're going to your phone calls and thoughts to start things out here. And again, the number for you is 603-283-6160. Let's go to uh, the phones and to the fun Greg in New York. You're on Free Talk Live. Hey, everyone. How's it going? Greg, what's hey, on your what's mind? Up? You know, I was, uh, like everyone else, following the horrific uh, war and conflict that's going on in Ukraine. And uh, I have not been know. following it, so not everyone has been following it. Not everyone. Not everyone. And I don't know how horrific it actually is. I can't believe what the media is saying about it. Um, but that said, I'm sure for some people it's pretty awful. Well, this is the thing. Believing or not, what's interesting is there's hardly any videos by civilians coming out of the region. How strange and, uh, is that? You know, it's due to the government's on both sides, 
so the Russian government doesn't let the soldiers use the internet. And of course, it's a top-down organization, the army, mm-hmm. so they can. But then um, the civilians in Ukraine, there's a law that says you can't film the, the movements of your country's troops. You really? Jail. Yeah. Because you're helping wow. the um, even yeah. so, there are still ways they could create video that wouldn't, you know, involve Ukrainian soldiers. Like they, they could have, you know, recorded videos of some of these Russian massacres, and it, it wouldn't have well, run afoul what, of. That's what I'm saying. I wanted to call and I wanted to suggest something. <clears throat> Sorry about my voice today. I wanted to suggest um, certain things which should be obvious if we, the people, would actually be in charge of our government. One of them is if we want body cams for cops. Wouldn't we want body cams for service members on active duty who are in war zones to prove that they're not committing war crimes? Wouldn't it actually be beneficial to their own country to store that, you know, evidence to show that they haven't actually been? Yes, but the U.S. government is committing war crimes, so that's the last thing it wants. Well, yeah, neither the U.S. nor Russia uh, takes the international criminal court seriously. In fact, Trump went after them when they tried to investigate U.S. war crimes in Afghanistan. Oh, not just Trump. I mean, George Bush, Barack Obama, Trump, and as I understand it, uh, Julian Assange is still sitting in prison, and That's Biden right. hasn't hasn't called off the prosecution either, so he's covering up the war crimes too. Let's not pretend it's all about Trump. You know, Trump is the one president, and I'm not a Trump fan, but I'll say one good thing about him. He didn't start any new wars, Mm -hmm. and that's something no other American president in living memory can say. But I want to say about this is that if you look at the system, right, it's so messed up. Nobody talks about the actual problems with the system. They talk about, you know, which country's worse and what country is doing the genocidal rapes now. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, now it's probably Russia, unfortunately. I mean, before in the Balkans, it was, you know, Serbians doing it, perhaps, or uh, Pakistan doing it during the war of um, mm-hmm. Bangladesh independence and so on. How about we can prevent these conflicts by creating frameworks before conflicts start? Like Taiwan and China could be creating a framework right now about what would happen if somebody let off a missile? But nobody, we don't even have a framework to de-escalate a nuclear war. So if the first nuke flies, people just assume, oh, I guess that's the end of the world. That's it. Mm-hmm. And that's like ridiculous. Why don't you actually put in place during peacetime something that might come in handy, like an understanding of how to de-escalate things? You know? Well, because that would tell a country, you know, that they can nuke the United States and the United States would respond with sanctions or something like that. In order to deter someone from nuking the United States, the United States government has found it necessary to threaten to nuke in retaliation. Well, nuke, I mean, there were a couple times, I think it was, uh, you can look them up, Arkhipov, I think, uh, Vladimir or something. It was two guys that literally like refused to launch the nuke, right? One of them was in Russia. Uh, the computer said that the nukes are coming towards Russia, and he thought it was a glitch, and he was right. Yeah. Um, the other guy was, was during the Cuban Missile Crisis. He was like one of three people, and he refused to join uh, to uh, to launch the nuke from mm-hmm. the sub. But like, 
those are the last line of defense, man. This is, this is so stupid. This is so stupid. These governments have nukes. They have armies with no accountability, no body cameras. And they're no never going to do it. They have no interest in putting body cameras on their own troops because for them, it's all about war crimes. It's all about doing horrific things uh, to the other side. And so the, the less uh, transparency there is for their, from their purposes, the better. Hey, Madeleine yeah. Albright said half a million mil- murdered children was worth it because she got her way. Those are the kinds of psychopaths that we are uh, talking about. So, I mean, your idea isn't a bad yeah. idea if there were going to continue to be a military that is, you know, in some way concerned with its appearance, but they're not. The only way to end war is to end government because mm. the bottom line is government is made up of psychopaths who are willing to do anything for power over others. And as long as we give them the opportunity to indulge themselves and force us to pay for the weapons they use to murder people, they're going to keep right on murdering people. Oh, and they have their allies in the media. The mass media Mm -hmm. is also always carrying water for whatever country they're in. So you're basically going to see demonization and delegitimization of the other side always. And, you know, it's funny because Russia has, what, like 11 million people that have family in the Ukraine and vice versa. And it's funny because, like, they know that their family members are normal people, right? Everyone, I think it was a Nazi guy who was captured, I forgot who it was, he said, Regular people don't want to kill each other. Most people don't want to kill each other. But the leaders get to tell them, you're under attack. You should Mm -hmm. be afraid. And they tell you for years, and they don't have direct flights anymore, and they don't have business dealings. Next thing you know, eight years Mm -hmm. later, they both call each other Nazis, and they both call each other fascists. Like, think about that. Like, right now, I can understand Ukraine is under attack, right? And they obviously hate the Russian government. But the Russian people um, listen to the media and they uh, support their government, uh, at least in polling, right? So Mm -hmm. Ukrainians think all the Russians I mean, the polls are useless, though. I mean, those are manipulated, too, right? It's the same here in the United States. The polls going into the 2016 election predicted an alarming landslide victory for Hillary Clinton. So, I mean, polling is yeah, useless. First of all, the polling. But, like, Russia is a huge country. Oh, I thought so you were it, talking about the Polish people. I was like, that's <laughs> a little bigoted. <laughs> Greg, your, uh, your points are spot on tonight. I appreciate hearing from you. Thanks for the it's call. It's true. The number is 603-283-6160. Yeah, the media's job is to carry water for the government. It, it wasn't supposed to be that way. They were supposed to be a check and balance. They were supposed to question the state. They were supposed to hold feet to flames and that sort of thing. But that yeah, but when happen. they did that, they ended up, you know, being like Julian Assange and getting arrested and, you know, yeah, well, they see without. what They see what's happening to Julian Assange. So anybody that might have gotten it in their head to actually, you know, stir up the water a little bit, they know what's coming for them. The media is the entertainment wing of the military-industrial complex. Yeah, bread and circuses. Uh, keep the people distracted. You know what? Uh, something I didn't know happened today that I just, since he mentioned Russia 
and their media, I went to RT. I've been going to RT more often recently just sure. to get the uh, the other side of the story when it comes to Ukraine because the Western media, the Western governments of the world do not want you reading what's at RT. And thankfully, at least in the United States, you can still access their website without it being blocked. Headline, Biden bans ghost guns. Hmm. So we're going to learn more about that, uh, what they're doing to target people who are making their own guns at home, which used to be a completely... I can see why he'd be scared of him. He's almost a ghost. Which uh, used to be a completely legal thing to do. Now, apparently, it's not. We'll tell you more about that on the way. It's Free Talk Live. It's Free Talk Live, and you're invited to join us here. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. Tonight, it's Ian. Nobody. And Aria. You can join us online at freetalklive.com and find various different features on that site. So uh, enjoy those. And if you enjoy what we do here on Free Talk Live, uh, you can back us up. By helping us out over the AMPS Patreon. You can do that over at amps.freetalklive.com. And I do want to say thanks to Indie Gun Church, who is a Free Talk Live uh, silver member of the AMPS Patreon. You can go to amps.freetalklive.com and get signed up over there. That's amps.freetalklive.com. As we go to your calls and thoughts, uh, let's talk to Tom listening to WGOW in Chattanooga. Go ahead, Tom. Yes, good evening. I'm, I'm enjoying your show Thanks. very much. I just wanted to um, comment briefly about a couple things you said. Um, I'm not yes. an anarchist, but I do believe in limited government, and I think it should be limited by law, All which right. in this case, as far as the U.S. government, is the Constitution. But it seems like in this discussion about war, our potential war with Ukraine and our between Russia and Ukraine and us getting involved, um, there's been no discussion at all about, you know, um, whether there's any legal basis for our involvement. I mean, American property and American citizens haven't been attacked. It's not, in my opinion, it's not our war. And I'm a non-interventionist. Is there there a serious discussion about the United States getting involved? Well, there's been a lot of uh, mission creep, as they like to call it, like – you know, supporting uh, Slovenia, I think it was, or Slovakia with um, missiles and Poland with the airplanes, you know, a few weeks ago. There's there's a lot. Now there's been talk about U.S. Um, uh, trainers going into um, some of the NATO countries that border Ukraine. And I just think that there is an agenda here to push to push a war, to push uh, the United States into a war over there. And I think it's really dangerous. It's, it mm-hmm. reminds me of what happened before the the Great War, the First World War. That and, wasn't um, that great from what I heard. <laughs> no, yeah. but, but, you know, and, the and the scariest thing has been Joe Biden, the senile bastard, screaming for regime change. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's, he's just, well, they knew back in November, I think Putin said that, you know, if, if uh, there was an invitation by NATO for Ukraine to join, that that would be... Um, that would trigger a Russian intervention. And we knew about this way back in the, um, you know, in November at least. And there was talk and a lot of saner heads in the military that were trying to avoid a war were ignored. And um, I think that, that they definitely 
allow this situation to get worse in order to use it as a pretext for intervention. I, I, I don't, oh, I don't yeah. know, man. I think they did it intentionally because at the same time they were telling the the Ukraine that they weren't going to let them join join NATO. Mm-hmm. They were saying, but we're not going to say anything publicly. We're going to let everybody else think you're joining joining NATO mm. to just just to bust Putin's balls. I mean, what yeah, but, what right yeah. what right did Russia have to draw that line in the sand for Ukraine in the first place? If Ukraine is a sovereign nation, then Russia has no right to say you can't join this military alliance. Mm. Well, well, the problem is though that why is there even a NATO? I mean, there's no more Warsaw Pact, and and if you had a hostile alliance on your border like with poland and potentially ukraine i mean you can see from the russian perspective even if you disagreed with it that they might it might cause instability it might cause a war and we went ahead and 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 said we would be considering that so i don't disagree i was hoping that trump was actually going to withdraw the united states from nato that would have been fantastic i would have loved it but he never followed through man Mm -hmm. well at least he kept us out of war for four years and uh, that was more than what the powers that be now. Yeah, Tom, I think you're right. There's definitely a lot of saber rattling out there. And of course, the mainstream media would love a war because that just means more ratings for them. They love fear and they love, you know, people tuning in through a commercial break. So that's that's definitely something they're interested in. The and- issue with the war with the nation the size of Russia, though, is that this isn't going to be one of those wars where the United States just fights it over there. Oh, yeah. Right. Bombs will fall on American cities. Sure. Yeah, it could mm-hmm. it could get out of hand quickly, and, and I think Biden, people... I think, to some extent, probably is aware of that, and that's why he has been, let's just say, cautious about getting involved in a full blown conflict. I mean, for to whatever credit he deserves for that, he did. You yeah. know, he has been saying that we are going to stay out, or that we, the U.S. government, is going to stay out of the conflict but then as you point out tom they're doing this over here and they're doing that mm-hmm. over there and they're helping with the they've know, stayed uh, out just like they stayed out of world war ii right yeah. well, which means they didn't they just didn't actively send military over there to fight and they could have stayed out of ukraine in in the first place they didn't have to organize a coup there in 2014 right. that set this whole mess in motion you but know? they did but they did well they didn't right. have and, to you know, do it. And, and a lot of the same neoconservative groups that were pushing for intervention in Libya and in Syria, they're all beating the drums now with this situation with Ukraine. And the same voices are, are speaking out about how we need to do something. And they, they keep mm. drumming it in. And there's this atrocity propaganda that's going on. I don't know how much of it is true, but there's there's a lot of propaganda yeah those evil bastards never met a war they didn't like i mean as far as i can tell it's all propaganda yep right i I haven't seen anything that makes you think yes this is definitively true it is has no coloring to it whatsoever no no one's slanting it one direction or another it's just the straight facts yeah it's a mess i I read uh, epoch times or epic times depending on how you want to pronounce it and Mm -hmm. it's, it's pretty it's pretty good it's one of the few papers that's non uh not totally controlled <laughs> i mean it's run by chinese uh i think it was begun by chinese anti-communists yeah i mean those next- guys and babylon b are, are probably my best sources of factual information <laughs> i like the b. babylon b huh 
Well, they're, they're more <laughs> honest about what they're doing than CNN and Fox and MSNBC. Oh, yeah. And the only people who are more honest than them is probably Russia Today. Well, I mean, they have their their issues, but I got to say, Russia Today has been really excellent at their coverage of this so far, as far as giving two sides of a story. They actually report like real journalists do, even though they're run by the Russian government. So you still have to know where they're coming from, but uh, you'll get both sides in most cases with Russia. And today. the funny thing about about that, though, is that the Russian government tightly controls the, the media in Russia, but not the Russian media outside of Russia. Tom, so thanks, it's man. Kind of, kind of weird that they know what's right, but they won't do it at home. Thank you, uh, Tom, for the call tonight. Definitely appreciate hearing from you. And if you want to bring up whatever's on your mind, you're certainly welcome to do that. As the uh, the war saber rattling continues, people want to see a no fly zone over uh, over Ukraine, which others are saying would lead directly to war with Russia. Uh, if that well, who would enforce the no fly zone? Us. Presumably the United States. I can see why that would lead to war. People seem to forget that, you know, war between the United States and Russia is likely to be the end of the human race. There's more on the way here at 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. You can join us on the radio. You nobody in Aria here on Free Talk Live. Live and the phones are open if you want to join us at 603-283-6160 at 603-283-6160 you can join us online anytime over at freetalklive.com archives are there and they go back for years you can enjoy those at freetalklive.com here tonight it's ian Nobody. And Aria. Aria, you wanted to talk about the latest with Elon Musk, the world's wealthiest man who recently purchased over 9% of the stock in Twitter. And I think we covered this on our show a week ago when that news was breaking. And they, I think the next day, offered him a seat on the board and it sounded like he was going to go for it. And See, then, I didn't pay that much attention. I didn't know if he was actually offered a seat or if he just expected that he was going to get a seat or if people expected, oh, well, he's got almost you know 10% of Twitter stock. Surely they'll let him be on the board. Yep. And, well, they, and he's the single largest shareholder. Yep, he is. And they extended the invitation to him last week, and it sounded like he was going to do that. But then last night, the CEO of Twitter, I think his name is Parag uh, Argawal, uh, anyway, Agrawal. Wow, it's amazing that a guy with a name that long came to work with a for a company with messages that are so short. Parag, <laughs> he, he, he must use up half his message with just his name. He uh, posted on uh, Twitter, wherever to his personal account, saying that no, Musk is not going to be joining the board of directors, and that was last night. One hour afterwards. Elon Musk posted on his Twitter profile just an image of a smiley face covering its mouth with its hand and laughing. <laughs> and that's wow. uh, we'll I let did you not st- see that. Yeah, we'll let you tell the story from here, Arya. Well, you went over most of the the basics, at least that I have them. He was it was supposed to take effect on Saturday, but Elon shared that that same morning that he will no longer be joining the board. So mm-hmm. evidently, he was 
A psych. Open to it. Yeah. Did a psych. Uh, Mr. Agrawal did not provide a reason, but he said, I believe this is for the best. We have and will always value input from our shareholders, whether they are on our board or not. Elon is our biggest shareholder, and we will remain open to his input. It was a very carefully worded statement. Uh, that was an excerpt from it. I read the whole thing. What would Elon Musk have gained from being on the board? I don't Nothing. know how It'd this nonsense works. Well, I mean, that's that's the most direct way, generally, to move uh, to move a company. The board, unless you buy the whole thing uh, out. Well, there's that. Um, the board selects the CEO. Um and <clears throat> sets policy. Yeah, by changing the CEO, you can enchant and completely change a, a corporate culture. But he's just one. He would just be one guy on a board of you know probably at least ten, if not twenty, twenty people or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. So he would just ultimately, I think, get bogged down in wasting his time arguing with uh, or trying to persuade these board members to run this company completely differently, presuming that Elon Musk values things differently than those who've been running Twitter thus far, he would likely uh, mm. be opposed in what it is that he would be trying to do. Well, Why would they care what he has to say? To. I mean, so what? This billionaire I mean, comes in with $3 billion, but if you don't listen to him and he's like, okay, well, screw you, I'm selling my shares then, okay, that doesn't hurt no, your company. Shares any. vote. Okay. I understand that, but he's only Again, got 10%. The board of directors can, can replace the CEO the uh, shareholders can replace the board of directors and the uh and although he only personally has a 10% uh stake he's a well respected guy a lot of people have a lot of expectations as to what he might be able to do and uh, a lot of corporate battles are fought through proxies most people don't vote their own shares. They find some other big shareholder who who they uh, who they think has good ideas for the company, and they say, "You vote my shares." Um, and Sounds so, tedious. Yes. Well, it's it's a lot less tedious because after that, I mean, it's maybe more tedious for the guy who has to be voting for a bunch of people, but the rest of the people involved don't have to think about it. So Musk um, tweeted a face with a hand over okay, yeah, mouth <laughs> after Mr. Agrawal's tweet, but Mr. Musk appears to have deleted that tweet, along oh, really? with several others he posted over the weekend that included criticisms, suggestions, and apparent jokes about Twitter. Hmm. Uh, but luckily, they have a link here, so everything is permanent on the oh, internet yeah. there, There's Elon. an archive. Yes. Not the video of the Moderna CEO t- uh, trying to explain why he had a patent on the spike protein three years before the pandemic. Hmm. I went looking for that video again, couldn't find it. Did you try Odyssey? Uh, I I did. I haven't. I didn't find it there mm, either. That's too bad. So analysts pondered what Mr. Musk's move not to join the board means for his role with Twitter. His board term was originally set for two years, and as long as he remained a director, he couldn't hold more than 14.9% of the company's stock, mm. according to a securities filing. Without a board seat, he could potentially build an even bigger stake if he wanted. Mm-hmm. Right. So no one. So. so he hasn't said that his reason is because he wants to own nine, more than 14.9%, nope. but... He just laughed. Yeah. <laughs> 
That's all he said. And he could well have more more control and less tedium because if he amasses enough shares, he could he could become influential in promoting uh, several different board members. So he's known for his unpredictable behavior as well as his business acumen. Evidently, Twitter stock went up when he announced that he was owning 25% or 26% in one day, uh-huh. one morning. Well, the biggest problem with with uh, with Twitter is they're alienating half of the country actively, mm-hmm. and uh, that's that's not a good idea for for the business that they're in. Well, someone else was here last week making that argument. It may have actually been you, and I've given it some thought. I'm not sure that it's necessarily a bad dis- business decision on their part. It depends on who's going to give them money and who isn't going to give them money. If their advertisers, the people who are paying their bills, are like, hey, look, we don't want this right-wing content on your platform, and we're not going to continue paying you if you have it, mm-hmm. yep. then it makes business sense for Twitter to be like, okay, well, we won't have that content on our platform. Mm-hmm. And that's what sends you know conservatives to things like Gab and Parler and Truther and whatever it is they're rambling on about now instead of decentralizing and going away from these centralized tech platforms that are just right. going to ultimately censor them as well. But I'm not sure it's necessarily a bad decision for them to alienate half of the population because if it was half of the population they would they would by default lose money i, w- I would imagine could trump buy twitter uh, more twitter stock let's say he buys 51 percent uh some people trump? have been saying sorry trump <laughs> elon i mean they're oh. mostly one and the same the <laughs> only thing we're waiting on is for musk to say i'm gonna run for president they're, they're both <laughs> welfare whores who have never actually contributed anything of value to society I'm not going to go so far as to, to say I that about. Say, uh, I will, but only to push people's buttons. What were you saying there, nobody? I I think he's contributed a lot, but uh, yeah, I mean know. he's got some interesting. Well, I mean, uh, if the government gave done. me a few billion dollars, I could probably come up with some ideas too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, but what I was going to say and is, pay the engineers to implement them. If Musk gets 51 percent of the stock in Twitter, then he becomes the majority shareholder. And could he then decide to take the company private? Um, or would he need the board of directors? Like, what does fifty-one percent of stock get you to be able to do? Could he then I mean, replace the everybody? The thing is, I, I'm pretty sure he could because who's going to outvote him? Right. You don't even need fifty percent if you're an influential person because mm-hmm. you don't have to buy your allies out. Mm. You only have to buy your enemies out. Good um, point. Good point. So yeah, he might be able to do it with thirty percent or twenty five percent or something. Oh yeah, twenty five percent could could easily be a controlling stake or part of a controlling coalition. Uh, corporate boards act like parliaments, where they form people form like coalitions mm-hmm. of people who agree. We got more coming up here. Uh, you can share your thoughts on the Twitter situation with Elon Musk. What are his plans? I suspect only he knows, but it will be interesting to watch because. Whether you like him or not, he is an entertaining character. I don't think he can predict himself, necessarily. (laughs) There's more coming up. Free Talk Live. Phones are open. You can join us here. Number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. What is going to happen with Elon Musk and Twitter? 
You know, normally I don't really care at all about what happens on a corporate board, and really I don't care in this particular case, but I am interested in watching Elon Musk because he, like Donald Trump, is an entertaining character. Mm-hmm. And he's up to something, and it is pretty interesting to watch, I'll tell you that. Yeah. I care because... You know, Twitter played a big part in rigging this last election by participating hugely in the cover-up of Hunter Biden's laptop Mm. and his corruption. And the other thing you have to remember is that the, the which country was paying off Hunter Biden? Ukraine. The Ukraine. How much does that have to do with the very unusual links that Joe Biden is willing to go to go to to make the Ukrainian or at least the Ukrainian government happy? It's an excellent um, question. You know, Coincidence? And you probably know, not. And why is it that European of, of um, politicians, it seems, have no fear of visiting the Ukraine in the middle of a war? Yeah, that's interesting. Um, You're talking about the photo I ops. Saw that. Yeah. Yeah. going on. You ever see Wag the Dog? I'm familiar with it, but I've not seen it. Yeah. It's a very interesting movie. Yeah, your point being that if they are indeed under attack, as we are you know, purported to be believing, that why would these people who are normally like, we see what politicians they're do. Cowards. Right, they're cowards, right? You saw what they did in uh, on January 6th when people were taking an unauthorized tour. Remember the pictures yeah. from inside Congress? Unarmed people taking selfies. Mm-hmm. They were terrified they were cowering they were like putting on these crazy bag helmets to keep themselves safe from covid or something like that with like with air filtration on it. it was insane <laughs> uh these people are complete cowards so yeah they definitely wouldn't go somewhere where there was a chance that there'd be some errant bomb uh that all of a sudden would find its way to where they were staying mm-hmm. well as uh, i understand not it even errant could be just plausibly deniable mm-hmm as I understand it, uh, the Ukrainian military has succeeded in pushing Russia back to some extent. So maybe it was the European leaders visited the safe parts of Ukraine. To, because just because the nation Missiles is... At, can still fly. Sure. But yeah. just because a country is at war doesn't mean that every conceivable inch of land is a possible you know, bombing target at any given moment. Yeah, that's mm. probably true. But that said, I mean, how many other wars has that happened? I mean, did that happen in uh, Iraq, in Afghanistan? Did you see a bunch of politicians parading around over there? No. no. Uh, it, it happened occasionally. You'd see congressmen go over there, but mm. it was pretty rare. Yeah, well, they were probably flying into a green zone where, you know, it was yeah. completely controlled but for a large swath by the U.S. military. Yeah. Well, they didn't want to Hillary get a shoot Clinton at them. claimed to get shot at by a sniper at one point, but she was lying. <laughs> she did claim that. It, it's I don't so, remember that one. That's it's one. so hard to remember every little thing that happens, but she sure enough claimed that you know they got off the helicopters and there was sniper fire and they were running while undercover. It was wow. insane. It was like none of none of that happened. Yeah. So yeah. speaking of things that are happening, though, yeah, it's unclear what Musk is planning. Um, Mr. Agrawal, just months into his tenure as the new CEO of Twitter, said that it had asked Musk to join the board following Musk's acquiring of almost 10% of Twitter stock. Musk declined, and now Agrawal is, you know, he gave his corporate sponsored little tweet. But yep. he also said, 
There will be distractions ahead, but our goals and priorities remain unchanged, he wrote. The decisions we make and how we execute is in our hands, no one else's. Let's tune out the noise and stay focused on the work and what we're building. What are they building? A tyranny. Yeah, a centralized <laughs> platform of controlling what we can and can't yeah. microblog about. The so, Ministry of Truth is mm-hmm. what they're building. It just it's interesting to me that he he implies that Musk's purchase of nine point four percent of Twitter stock and his attempts to change the company are distractions and that their goals and priorities are unchanged. Which is not what Musk wants at the very least. Musk wants it to be purportedly a freer place to speak that is purportedly what he uh is interested in but again only time will tell as to how this all shakes out we'll keep an eye on it for sure uh, the other news that i think probably is going to deserve more discussion than this but i do want to get it in here tonight and that is that uh, biden has claimed he is banning ghost guns now can one of y'all de- de- define what a ghost gun is a ghost gun is a gun that was manufactured outside the uh, captive industrial plant um, that stamps serial numbers on it. So it was uh, either made in somebody's basement or it was uh, largely made by a company but left unfinished so the consumer could finish it. But one way or another, it's a gun that it's 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 an undocumented gun. Right. And I like my guns like I like my immigrants undocumented. <laughs> so it could be a 3D printed gun, it could be a gun put together from parts uh or some sort of combination of the two basically, right? Yes. I tend to think of ghost guns, a true ghost guns as being one of these that, you know, was 3D printed or milled at home or something mm-hmm. like that. It's just completely off the radar, completely unknown. Right. I understand that you know the ones that don't have serial numbers that you buy at the store, the kit or whatever. It's technically a ghost gun, sure, but you know there's there's camera footage of you buying it. There's a receipt. Mm-hmm. There's paper trail. There's probably well, a credit card payment. Not necessarily. If you bought an eighty percent lower from Defense Distributed. Um, Chance or or from that California guy who was selling the 80 percent lowers. I don't think they were keeping a lot of records, and there was no requirement that they keep any. Well, um, they're going to try to change that now. According to the White House's uh, website press release, they say last year there were about twenty thousand suspected ghost guns reported to the ATF as having been recovered by law enforcement in criminal investigations, which they claim is a tenfold increase from 2016. Go America! Yeah. That's uh, too bad. The uh, final rule that they've now put in, too many of them. They've put into place bans the manufacturing of the most accessible ghost guns, such as unserialized buy-build shoot kits that individuals can buy online or at a store without a background check and can readily assemble into a working firearm in as little as 30 minutes with equipment they have at home. The rule clarifies. Well, if they have experience building multiple of these things, they can probably put one together in 30 minutes. But Otherwise, I, it'll take hours, probably. Yeah, I understand it. Even with these, you need to be very precise, and you need to have a, a tool that the average American doesn't have just laying around. I don't remember the exact specifics, but I think it's some sort of drill or something like that that There's is needed. Probably well, a few what things. What Defense Distributed was selling, as I recall, was a drill press that pretty much made drilling three very precise holes 
uh, almost foolproof okay. for yeah. the average person. And they called that the ghost gunner. It's basically a computer-controlled device that assists you with, uh, with building one of these things. So they say now that this new rule that they've just put out, so this isn't something that Congress did. This is just Biden. President Biden yeah. and the Justice Department, uh, the ATF. Under the Gun Control Act, they say that now these kits qualify as, quote, firearms, unquote, and that commercial manufacturers of those kits must now become licensed and include serial numbers on the kit's frame or receiver, and commercial sellers of the kits must become federally licensed and run background checks prior to a sale, just like they have to do with other commercially made It'll firearms. It'll be interesting to see how that plays out in court, because... The law hasn't changed. It sounds to me like Biden just started lying lying about what the law says. Um, You know, and not the first time, by the way, because uh, back in the day, they said that anything past an 80 percent lower receiver of an AR-15 was supposed to be considered as a firearm. But there have been a lot of people getting off in court, apparently, because technically, an, uh, even a hundred percent lower doesn't have enough parts to be considered a firearm, and and the tide seems to be turning in court, especially now mm. that a retired ATF um, agent has become a defense witness on that point. Well, this may require a lawsuit to overturn, and if that's uh, if that's the case, so hopefully mm-hmm. the the gun community is going to be. I imagine they're very concerned. He might with this. just forget. <laughs> I don't think the ATF is going to forget this. They're also mm-hmm. going to require federally licensed dealers and gunsmiths that take in any unserialized firearm into inventory to serialize that weapon. So if somebody builds a gun at home and then sells it to a dealer, they then have to serialize that for selling it again. Uh, and I'm sure that there's more. Is it, are crimes it. committed with ghost, gun, ghost guns on the rise? They say that there are, they are. Mm-hmm. That's what they claim. Mm. Of course, they lie. Yeah. Uh, so out of time for tonight. Join us tomorrow online in the meantime. We're at freetalklive.com.